Under center, and they'll host Mayfield's former team, the Cleveland Browns, in week one. Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady is back with his team and got out on the practice field today. Brady was away from camp for a week and a half for personal reasons. ESPN's Sam Acho. If I'm a teammate, I don't care, right? Like, if I'm a teammate I've played with in the last two years, I know he won at the Super Bowl. I know he's Tom Brady. I know he's the greatest of all time. Like, I don't need you for today. I need you for week one. I need you for week 17. I need you for the playoffs. Sam Acho on Barton Hunt. The Bucks play their preseason finale Saturday night against the Colts. No word yet if Brady will play. The 49ers signed safety to Sean Gibson to a one-year deal. He played the last two years with the Bears. The Commanders activate tight end Logan Thomas off the pup list, coming back from torn ligaments in his left knee. And the Vikings make a trade with the Raiders to get quarterback Nick Mullins. Vegas gets a conditional 2024 draft pick in return. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're a renter, make sure you're protected. Renter's insurance includes options that cover stolen property, personal injury, and living expenses if your place is damaged. Quote renter's insurance at Progressive.com. It's now time for Team Talk on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. 1017 The Team is your home for New Mexico United, the Dallas Cowboys, LA Dodgers, and much more. Now, Team Talk on 1017 The Team. Good afternoon. Welcome to Team Talk, ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. I'm Joe O'Neill. That's Sam Hauser. Both of us will be with you until 5 o'clock, and then we've got a doubleheader for you later on tonight at 5 o'clock. Subway Series, Mets, Yankees live from the Bronx. Uh, this is the best both teams have been, been been when they're playing against each other in the history of those two franchises. So looking forward to that. And then after that, we'll go to L.A. for the Brewers-Dodger matchup. The two teams split four games in Milwaukee last week. But I'll tell you what, Sam, uh, you were thrown into the fire Friday night. La Cueva at Rio Rancho, and you uh, did a heck of a job with the play-by-play, Sam. Well, you know, the best play-by-play guys always say that it's the game in front of you that helps out. We're just there to tell the story, and we knew coming in it was going to be a good one. Like, we we just, we knew. I mean, these were two teams that made deep runs. Rio Rancho played for the state title. They, they played against each other in the semis. We knew about La Cueva's offense, and I, I, I had a feeling that that wide receiver group was going to be just fine. Both those teams have a ton of upside. It's it's week one. You never know what's going to happen, but you you can kind of see, especially for for Rio Rancho. You know, when a team struggles on offense, you you kind of want to see what what direction they're going in, and it's it's pretty clear. You know, it's a first year quarterback. Got to get more comfortable with those guys, but you can see where that Rio Rancho offense is going defensively. They're going to be fine. Those guys were on the field a bunch. La Cueva, though, I mean, th- even for Coach Brandon back, the defense coming in, what we were going to get out of them, oh boy. You know, again, and it goes both ways, where you don't want to make the big leaps, good or bad, but if that's how La Cueva is going to start the year defensively, then we are in for uh, we're in for a heck of a six A schedule. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, a little bit of transition for Rio Rancho the first week. Um, 
with a new quarterback and a new head coach. So uh, La Cueva, you know, was was able to get it done. Their defense did not give up a point. Uh, La Cueva wins the game 30-7. to The only touchdown Rio Rancho got was a pick six to lead the game 7-0, but then La Cueva, 30 unanswered points. But I'll tell you, the one that really got my attention as much as anybody, if there was one player on the field, I know Coach Williams uh, does his player of the game afterwards, and deservedly so. He gave it to Jackson Hicks, the, the wide receiver from La Cueva. If there was one player that really caught my eye as much as anybody it was uh, it was Mason Post of the linebacker for La Cueva because he's listed as a middle linebacker, but you don't see a lot of a lot of high school players that cover as much ground as that kid does. I mean, I'm talking about sacks, ta- you know, tackles in the backfield. Like there is some athleticism on that field. Yeah, and uh, La Cueva will be tested again this Friday night. Uh, they're going to host Cleveland. It'll be at Wilson Stadium. On Friday night at 7 o'clock, Rio Rancho, meanwhile, is going to uh, go to Wilson Stadium on Saturday at 11 a.m. and uh, face off against the El Dorado Eagles. So the Eagles a loser in the first week uh, against Cibola, and Rio Rancho is going to be facing uh, El Dorado next week, both teams uh, with looking for their first win. Um, really, though, the game of the weekend, I mean, we, we were very pleased to be up at Rio Rancho, but it was further on down in Rio Rancho, and that's Centennial coming in uh, to uh, Rio Rancho and beating the top, you know, the top team in the state through the preseason, okay? I mean, this is, we're not going to jump to conclusions here, but uh, Centennial beats uh, Cleveland in the final seconds. Aaron Ocampo, the head coach at Centennial, uh, Football fans around here know the Ocampo name. I remember him because he was at Manzano when we first launched the radio station, carried a bunch of their games, and I always remember seeing him on the sideline with the clipboard hanging or dangling around. He was always like very anal about the plays that he was running offensively, and he must have gotten that done because he hung up 38 points at Cleveland. So uh, Los Lunas, another team that people are keeping their eye on in the top five, um, had no problem with Berlin as we thought uh, would happen. But anyway, it wraps up a really good first weekend. And quite honestly, these first weeks of the season, you have better matchups a lot of times than you do when you get deeper into it because district play, you know, it sometimes is lopsided. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? Because I know we got a short show and I know you got a top five at five, Sam. No, I mean, that that's kind of it. The, 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 the non-district games and also, I mean, Cleveland Centennial, it's a perfect example of week one chaos and and it's 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 every level of football it's high school it's college it's the nfl it no it doesn't matter what level it is week one is when you're going to see some of that stuff happen and centennial capitalized and you know that, that that's what you want when you have the long bus drive back and forth from las cruces that's what that's oh, what that's, you want that's a sweet win another thing speaking of you know well I, james yodas for the albuquerque journal uh wrote a follow-up um it was yesterday about how unusual it is for cleveland and rio rancho to lose uh in the same not on the same night yeah i uh, think he said it was uh, it was in the 2019 first- i think against uh, that they it was the last time that they had lost but those games were against like schools from out of new mexico right. el Paso, texas teams i think but for like for them to lose to two new mexico teams it's been a long time like 1200 days or, or whatever what did you what did you say oh longer than i think 1900 days yeah it was it was a long long time and then i th- i think he noted at the end it was the first time they'd ever lost at home on the same night okay well anyway it was just an unusual weekend first weekend though uh, i'm sure there's going to be a lot of correction as the oh, yeah. uh, season unfolds all right well i mentioned the top 5 at 5 we're only going to be here till 5 o'clock so that means we're going to do 
through the top five at five at a little after four. Take it away, Sam Hauser. Well, late addition to the starting the starting block of who's in, who's out. Late addition as this one just coming down from the Dodgers about a half hour ago. Bruzdar Gratterall is back. He's activated off the injured list, so Ryan Pepio, valiant effort. He'll get sent back down to AAA Oklahoma City, but the fireballer Bruzdar Gratterall is off the injured list, back with the Dodgers, so more reinforcement in the bullpen, and now some competition for... For that closer spot. I don't know if Gratterall has the control yet. I, I don't think he's got the experience. Um, but, you know, he, he certainly is going to fit in with, you know, Price and these other guys in the bullpen that are being, like, shut down guys six, seven, and eight innings. I still think Gratterall has a little bit of fine-tuning before he comes becomes a closer. What else, Sam? All right, well, tampering be darned. We go back to Friday on this one, and neither side wasting any time as Juan Guerra, the former coach of Oakland Roots, now the new head coach of Phoenix Rising. So Friday, Oakland Roots puts him on administrative leave following rumors that he had had contact with Phoenix Rising. Well, I guess while he was on administrative leave, he must have gone in and had a couple more phone calls because... He's the new head coach in Phoenix. When he was on leave, he was packing his house, yeah, really? Sam, okay? Uh, so, yeah, and if you're Oakland, it's like, don't let the door hit you in the re- rear end. Uh, what's his name? Well, Juan Guerra. That's yeah. going to create a new rivalry there. Well, I, all I'm saying is, like, do you really want a coach that's in the no, middle of, of trying not. to go somewhere else? I mean, how focused is he? So, uh, yeah, you know, move on down the road, and, you know, that's that's life. What else, Sam? All right, well, we're also in Keontae Johnson. It's a, it's a remarkable comeback story in college basketball. Keontae Johnson committing to Kansas State over the weekend. He last played two seasons ago at the University of Florida. You might remember uh, remember this story. He collapsed to the floor during a game in December 2020. It was a non-conference game, Florida against Florida State. He collapses on the floor. He's taken to the hospital, diagnosed with heart inflammation, believed to be myocarditis. He was in the hospital for 10 days. At one point, he was actually put in a medically induced coma, but he comes out of that. He was medically cleared and now we'll suit up for the Kansas State Wildcats. Well, there's other things, including insurance opportunities. You, you know, this, this injury was was horrible. It was like every, it scared the heck out of everybody. So the deal was he would get an insurance policy of five million dollars to just not be playing basketball, right? Yes. Yeah, so okay. Yeah. So that's that's the more re- uh, more recent part of the story that we really weren't paying that much attention to. It went into effect in the summer of 2020, so leading up to the incident, the NCAA has a policy, has an insurance policy for certain sports. If you're still eligible, if you're a projected first-round draft pick in basketball or football, whatever it is, they have these insurance policies. So Keontae Johnson had a, and still does have a $5 million policy, but Jeff Goodman of Stadium noting over the weekend that uh, from a source told him, should Keontae Johnson play 10 games? For Kansas State, that policy is voided. Right, and this guy's a big-time player. At Florida, he was the first-team all-conference player in the SEC. He was going to be the uh, he was the preseason player of the year candidate going into his junior year when all this went down. Um, he played at IMG Academy, Oak Hill Academy along the way. So it, the, the reason he is, I mean, let's hope he's in good health, obviously, but um, 
let's there's a lot of money ahead of him because he is projected to not only be a first rounder but maybe a lottery pick Sam yeah if he comes back and everything if he can pick up where he left off as long as the doctors think he's good yeah he, he was projected to be a, a sol- you know solidly in that first round uh, before all this went down so that's where you know if his career was over at that time that's where the policy kicks in but if he still believes he can get in there and people around him believe he can still be a first round pick, that he's going to come back and play and give it a go in and Manhattan, most importantly, Kansas. He's, he's healthy enough. Yes, All right, of course. what else? What else? All right. Well, also in Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, going into the Texas Tech Red Raiders Hall of Fame and the Football Ring of Honor. Now, I had to go back and look at some of this because, I mean, obviously, nobody is you know like Patrick Mahomes was not Patrick Mahomes when he was in college. Right. But the numbers still, I mean, the numbers were not that far off. His last two seasons, he led the nation in yards. He had a 5,000 passing yard season his senior season. So, I, I mean, I didn't... His numbers were not too far off of what? No, of, of, you know... Of what being we, considered a Heisman candidate? Of, of what we picture Patrick Mahomes to be now. Well, no, but here's the problem. He was playing in the Big 12. It's it's considered as, like, indoor football, college yeah. indoor football. I'm telling you, look at some of the numbers these guys at, at Baylor had. Oh, after yeah. Archie, Robert Griffin III left... Uh, the guys that came in after him in that conference were were putting up numbers. Oklahoma State was like ridiculous, averaging like fifth. So in that conference, you, you know those numbers don't mean nearly as much as they do in other conferences. But hey, he's gotten the last laugh. Look how good he's been in the NFL. All right, who's out, Sam? Who is out? It's betters who took the under in the win total for the Baltimore Orioles coming into the season. Their over under win total was sixty two and a half. Last night on Sunday Night Baseball in the Little League World Series Classic game, which was really cool as well, they beat the Red Sox for win number 63. And that was a win for Major League Baseball. I mean, uh, I'm sure, you know, they're telling stories about nobody giving this Orioles team a chance. And and here they are still theoretically in the wild card picture. And as far as the betters that had the under there, I think that was... That was over there a few months back when they ripped off like sixteen in a row or something. Well, it was a, it was good on Major League Baseball's part. They give they gave the K Rod cast a night off last night, and they kind of did. It was a, it was similar to what the NFL's done the last couple of years during Wild Card Weekend. They stream or they simulcast one of the games on Nickelodeon on ESPN two. It was like a it was like a kids version of an alternate telecast. You love those alternate telecasts. Of All course. right, what else? Talk to me about the Cubs. All right, also out a Chicago Cubs offer that had been going on. For the entire season leading up to this weekend, they win on a walk-off on Saturday, beat the Brewers 6-5 in 11 innings, do the Cubbies. It was their first win of the season when trailing in the ninth inning or later, they were 0-60 That's unbelievable. That, yeah. Which seems hard to do. It, it does. And do you know what a dud that is at Wrigley Field? You know, they play the... Let's, Take me out to the ball game stuff and all that. You you know you're expecting the the home team uh, to be able to maybe come back every once in a while in the late innings. The Cubs finally got one. They but, finally did. But the Nats are still waiting for one. Right. If, if 0-60 seems bad, 0-75 is even worse. The oh. Nationals now stand alone in that category of being winless when trailing in the ninth or later. 0-75. Yeah, that's not that's not good. But you know they don't play in Wrigley Field, and uh, you know those Nat fans, other than that World Series uh, year, they they've kind of grown used to that. All right, what's number four, Sam? An absolute stunner in Salt Lake City on Saturday night. Leon Edwards, the new welterweight champion in UFC, 
stuns Kamara Usman with a kick to the side of the head. Usman fumbles like a like a cheap uh, cheap beach chair. Ends his 15-fight win streak in epic fashion. Leon Edwards, the new champion of feather, or uh, the new champion in welterweight in UFC. Were there moments in the fight coming into the fifth round? You were behind on the scores. Were there moments where you were doubting? I know, I know. It doesn't matter from the trenches. I'm built like this. I go to the to the battle's done. That's it. I'm from the trenches. I've been dying the whole night now. Look at me now. Look at me now. Well, and part of the surprise was because he, I mean he was losing the fight. It was it was over. There was about two and a half minutes left. Leon Edwards did win the first round, but after that point, he just let... I mean, Kamara Usman just took over. There's two and a half minutes left, and this one shot comes out of nowhere. Down he goes, and we have a new champion. Sounds like uh, Holly Holm. You know, I mean, that's kind and of the her situation. Name, you know what I'm saying? No, and her, her name did come up in the... Oh, is that right? In the in the post, in the, in the post-fight show, her name did come up. They they referenced, you know what I mean, just because but of what a... she did that to Rousey. Just because of what a monumental win this was for Leon Edwards. That was the comparison that they made. Well, and this, and obviously in the same fashion. All right, what's number three, Sam? Three. three. Well, it's an opportunity for a former Lobo that doesn't come around very often as we go to minor league baseball. This is a feel-good story. Giancarlo Stanton, he's on a rehab assignment coming back from an Achilles injury. He's in double-A over the weekend playing against the Somerset Bay Sox, the uh, AA affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles. And the pitcher on the mound that day, former Lobo Justin Armbruster, who strikes out Giancarlo Stanton twice. How about that? I mean, that's something he'll be telling his grandkids, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, yeah, Stanton, and I'll tell you what, people are probably flocking to those minor league ballparks to watch Stanton hit oh, yeah. some bombs. But, uh, yeah, um, Armbruster uh, was a very good Lobo, and it's it's neat to see their, you know these guys still making a run at trying to get to the bigs there, Sam. What's number two? Well, welcome to the Metroplex, Kevante Turpin, the wide receiver the Cowboys signed. He was the MVP of the USFL this past season. Cowboys signed him, and he didn't do anything catching the ball as a wide receiver, but he made his mark on this game. Finds a crease. Turpin now with some space. Gets past Hopkins. Turpin is past midfield. He's got daylight in front of him. Can anybody track him down? No, they can't. Cavante Turpin, 98 yards to the house. Not only is it high, it is far, and Turpin makes one man miss. Let's see what kind of magic he has again. Turpin, jitterbug. Turpin, can he do it again? Cavante Turpin, gone. Touchdown, Cowboys. 72 yards. So in the first half, he returns a kickoff for a touchdown and then follows that up with a punt return for a touchdown. If there was any questions, Joe, about whether or not he was going to make the final 53, I think those are put to bed. No doubt about it. And I'll tell you what, I looked into, you know, he he grew up in Monroe, Louisiana, went to Neville High School. Uh, The Neville brothers 
for whatever reason, are not listed as their alumni. Uh, a guy named Bubby Brister, Sam, who was before your time. Believe it or not, the Pittsburgh Steelers and other teams had a quarterback named Bubby Brister. Well, he went to Neville High School, uh, the same high school. And uh, what a what a way. You know, you mentioned that he was the uh, MVP of the USFL. Uh, but what people don't know that in 2020, he was with the Frisco Tigers of the Indoor, uh, indoor League. And mm-hmm. it got shut down to, uh, due to COVID. Then he went to the FCF Glazier Boys, which sounds like a soccer team, but it's actually called Fan Control Football. Yeah. It's an indoor seven-on-seven. Seven. You've probably seen it on the internet somewhere. Then he went to the TSL, the Spring League. So, that, you know, I mean, my gosh, the guy. And let me tell you, he was a first-team uh, all-conference kick returner and punt returner at TCU. So it's not like he was at some obscure school. And he was all-conference, and then he was also an honorable mention wide receiver in the Big 12. The problem is he's listed at 5'7", 158, and I guess that's generous. Uh, and nobody gave him a shot, but I'll tell you what, like you said, he's going to make the squad. He is, and this is actually a big sigh of relief for, for the Cowboys because last year you had CeeDee Lamb returning punts. Don't have to worry about that. You had, uh, you had Tony Pollard returning kicks. Look, we love Tony Pollard around here. Not his forte. Don't have to worry about that. You got your special teamer. Those guys can focus on what they have to do this year. Kevante Turpin uh, topping 20 miles an hour on both runs. Oh, man. And so everybody's uh, you know talking about Tyreek Hill. Another thing that it, you know he solved for the Cowboys is it got everybody talking about you know how many penalties they had gotten the previous week. They had a few to get the game started, but I think ended the game with like eight or nine, which is... Still not great, but basically double digits less than they had the week before. So looking for progress, maybe not perfection. Yeah, eight, eight penalties, 57 yards. You'll take that every week. You would. You would. All right, especially if you're a Cowboy right. fan. All right. So uh, what is the number one story of the day? One. Well, coming down kind of covert this morning, happening very quickly, but... We had heard over the last couple of days that Lobo football coach Danny Gonzalez wanted to name his quarterback and give him, you know, a week and change before the season opener. And that news coming down today, the Kansas transfer Miles Kendrick named the starting quarterback for the Lobos 12 days out from the season opener versus Maine. But we had heard, you know, could be C.J. Montez, could be any number of these guys, and Miles Kendrick wins the job. Yeah, and it is big news. It's still, you know, almost two weeks away from the first game, but um, Coach Danny Gonzalez deciding to name the starter today. They actually teased that he would be naming the starter today. And we're going to have Coach Danny Gonzalez on here in about... Ten minutes or so, we're going to ask him what went into that decision. Okay, that's your top five at five. Thank you, Sam Hauser. We're here till five o'clock. We're going to take a quick break. Be back with uh, Coach Danny Gonzalez later on in the hour, as well as Mark Smith, who uh, covered this weekend's Albuquerque Men's City Golf Tournament. We'll have all that next uh, on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team.